Welcome to Organics Unpacked, a podcast for the business-minded organic grower. An interview podcast where we hear from the top experts in the commercial organic industry with a focus on the business elements of organic growing both in and out of the field. You will gain insight and grow your operation. This show is brought to you ad-free by Ave Organics, a Wilbur Ellis company. To learn more about Ave Organics, visit our program notes. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to a new episode of Organics Unpacked, a podcast where we discuss organic farming from a practical view. I'm your host, Tom Buman. Today's guest is Paul Hardy from Rembrandt Enterprise, where he is the president. Paul is here to share some information on a topic that's very near and dear to a lot of organic growers. Today's topic is the brokering of raw chicken manure, specifically layer hens. Paul's joining us from the great state of Iowa. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, Tom, thank you. So, Paul, before we kind of jump into it, um, I'm always interested in people's background and what got you to this point in your career. So I'm a Florida boy from a consumer goods background, and I started my career in operations, logistics, supply chain kind of projects, and moved into more of uh, overarching planning, and then FP&A, and um, integrated business planning um, before I took a leap of faith into more commercial ventures and had a couple of tours of duty with ConAgra Foods, um, one on the supply chain side, and then I've been, I was in business development for their international business for about seven years. And um, that's what brought me to Rembrandt, where I came to um, help set up an international trading platform and um, broaden the reach of our dried egg ingredients products going around the world. That was in August of 2017. And since then, I've just taken on more responsibility at the company um, until eventually in July of 2019, I took on the presidential duties with Farm Nutrients and Rembrandt, um, the two sister companies. Okay, so great. Tell me about um, Rembrandt Foods and then the kind of the sister partnership with Farm Nutrients. Give me a little background on the the companies there and, and what you do. Yeah, so Rembrandt is a egg production and processing company. We have about 8 million egg laying chickens, um, we call them layers. And we, at one point, were uh, a bigger producer. Uh, we've scaled back our operation kind of to right size to the market that we're trying to target, which is uh, food ingredients space. And um, so we've got a, a plant in Rembrandt, Iowa, and another uh, cage-free facility in Thompson, Iowa. And then we've got some offline growers and a, and a number of pullet farms that we're responsible for. And the pullets are the, the zero to, or one day old to 17 weeks old uh, birds before they come into our layer houses. Mm-hmm. Okay. And farm but, nutrients was really the business, sorry to jump oh. in there, Tom, but um, that was really the business that was born out of the fertilizer that we produce every day. Um, the site at Rembrandt, for example, has almost 6 million layers. And um, we produce anywhere from, depending on the moisture level, you know, 120,000 to 200,000 tons of chicken litter every year that uh, that needs to be moved. And 
over the years really developed a relationship with the local growing community and uh, found that there was a lot of value in um, the chicken litter as a fertilizer, uh, as a strong source of nitrogen. Yeah, so then Farm Nutrients is kind of the the arm of the company that takes care of the raw manure, then gets it brokered out and delivered. Is that fair to say? Correct. Yep, they are a fertilizer uh, sourcing and distribution company and a and a service organization for growers. We have uh, agronomists uh, as part of our team, and we really do the the needs and the inputs for each grower. Okay. So, Paul, I've heard that uh, coming in the upper Midwest is as high as 80% of all organic farmers are using chicken manure. I don't have any way of validating that. But how do you feel like the, the split of your raw chicken manure that's going out, um, how is it split between organic growers and more commercial or traditional growers? Being having our majority of our presence in Iowa, we are probably under indexed on organic growers. I would say it's less than 10% of our total volume that we move is to organic farms, but it's where we see the most growth. And it's also the projects that we're working on, like the one we're engaged with um, Renutrient and Ave Organics on, is all about taking that raw material and adding value to it further uh, to support more transportation, to get it out to the organic growers where, and meet them where they need to be met, um, as well as innovate on the, the delivery vehicle of those nutrients. Okay, all right. So when you, so as I said, I, I've heard that a large percent of organic growers end up with chicken manure of some form, often raw chicken manure. How does chicken manure mm -hmm. compare to other animal manures out there that organic growers might use? I mean, obviously it's a preference, but what is it about chicken manure that, that makes it special for organic growers? Yeah, I think there's a, first of all, the need to differentiate between um, layer manure and poultry manure, okay. uh, which typically comes with a lot more bedding. Uh, the, the style of raising those birds and housing those birds is very different from uh, the broiler chicken to the egg-laying chicken. And so layer manure tends to be a lot um, cleaner, uh, free of other foreign materials, and um, a little bit pure, more pure of a source. So um, in Iowa, for example, we have about 60 million egg-laying chickens, and it's the highest concentration of layers in the country. So there is a, there's a lot of um, raw material coming from those birds, uh, but those numbers are kind of shrinking recently as the, the population of conventional um, aviary systems continues to shrink. And that's where you have about 60 inches per 60 inches squared per bird, uh, and moving towards the the cage-free aviary system, which is about 144 inches squared per bird. So, is that something that your company is migrating to? Is more of the cage-free, or are they are you kind of set where you're at? We're balancing with our demand. So, our customer base um, when you use ingredients to make other products there's a little less pressure um i guess from the the branding side to say hey we need to have cage-free eggs in our on our label um because it's one of many ingredients in that product in that product versus 
you know, a, an egg patty or a retail, you know, dozen of eggs. So the cage-free growth is mainly at retail and we don't really participate in that retail business. So for us, we feel pretty confident that our business model is going to be stable for a while and we'll match our customer demand for cage-free with our inline supply. So is that kind of the COVID syndrome? Has that, has that impacted the numbers of layers? I've, I, I mean, I understand that the number of layers, especially in Iowa, has dropped pretty dramatically in the last year. Yeah, we personally um, at Farm Nutrients, we saw about 40% of the volume that we had last year uh, that we won't have going into this year. Two drivers of that. Um, the first biggest driver was the adjustment for COVID. Um, food service, the food service industry is served pretty heavily out of um, some of these large farms uh, supporting companies like Michael Foods and Debel and, um, and others that are packaging eggs in different formats for QSRs, quick serve restaurants and that food service channel. Um, so they took a pretty direct hit. We were already exiting most of that market by the time COVID came around. So it really didn't change our plans. It maybe expedited them a bit, but um, we didn't have to adjust too much internally in terms of where we were trying to go. Um, the other factor there is moisture. So of the last three and a half, four years that I've been living in Iowa, this past year was by far the driest. And uh, you saw a pretty direct 10 to 20%, depending on the source of manure, uh, change in volume. And I think what we've been adjusting in terms of the way we engage with growers is trying to meet them um, with a familiar, you know, input kind of conversation and shifting to more delivered and applied costs of nutrients per pound on their fields um, versus the old school method of selling fertilizer was kind of it's, uh, it's brown and it smells bad and, you know, here's your price. And <laughs> this is, uh, we're trying to be a little bit more sophisticated with the way that we approach that market. Yeah. So you, um, the way I hear you say it is that you've reduced the moisture content of the manure. And so you have less of it, but it's likely more concentrated in nutrients, right? It absolutely is. And that's the message, the story that we're trying to tell our growers with some very, very simple tools and how we price uh, based on those nutrient, the nutrient value um, applied to their field. And that is um, more familiar. I think that conversation in terms of commercial fertilizer options, right. and it's also, you know, a way for us to be more predictable and have more accountability internally as we approach this very much as a service organization. So we're doing a lot more sampling of manure in the past. It was a pretty loose exercise. There were some minimum amounts you had to sample to qualify. Uh -huh. And uh, we would apply those, those, um, that analysis to an entire year of volume that we would end up spreading. And it, and it was difficult for our sales team to be really consistent with their growers and have confidence that they were delivering what they had sold them. So what happens then is you kind of erode trust on both sides. Um, our sales team is trying to do a good job. Um, they've only got the tools that they've got to communicate to those growers. And um, when you kind of once bitten twice shy, what, what happened is we really ended up eroding our own values because no one wanted to overcommit. So we were always kind of hedging down on our analysis. And so what we've done is 
moved to a program where we're, we're sampling on a weekly basis and we've drawn some correlations that are pretty direct with thousands of points of data between moisture levels and the nutrient concentration between nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Um, so we've got some curves that we've generated that we can pretty much predict within plus or minus 10%, you know, where that nutrient level is going to be. And then if they're big, big volumes, we might double check that work. Um, and, but we are also testing the full analysis on a monthly basis at every site, which is something we never used to do. Right. Yeah. I think as a producer, I would think if I were putting on two tons of manure, I'd much rather have a high nutrient value and a low water content. Number one, why am I going to pay that transportation cost on water when it's just water, right? And it's it's not very yeah. much adds up in tonnage. And so it seems to me what you're doing is a real service um, because I assume that how how does the farmer that's getting the manure, how does the transportation cost work? Yep. So they, they pay for the hauling. We have rates that are by zone, um, pretty typical. And uh, everybody benefits from drier manure. You know, it's uh, anytime we can take water out of the logistics equation, it's good for everyone involved and, and the planet. And that's a big part of Rembrandt. I mean, the, the entire origin story of Rembrandt was our founder looking on a map and finding the point in Iowa that was the most distant from a major railhead or major highway um, so that we would really be tied in with the local growing community and um, benefit from the basis that which we could purchase grain because that's about 65% of our cost of an egg. And um, also to have a place to take those nutrients from the fertilizer perspective back to the field and complete the circle. And because of the presence that farm nutrients have has, we've done um, some some high level analysis. Um, and I won't say we'll put it on claims on any packaging or anything, but we feel like we we are about a, a zero to two percent, you know, total waste uh, from a carbon perspective company, uh, with the amount of energy we put into the birds and the amount of nutrients that we return back to the soil. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a nice, um, really good measuring stick these days is kind of how close you are to carbon neutral. And obviously, mm -hmm. anytime we're working with manure and returning organic matter to the soil, we're getting much more close to that. And a lot of interest in, you know, storing carbon in the soil and certainly a manure is a way of doing mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we still have a lot to learn there, Tom. So I'm looking forward to our engagement with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a lot to learn for all of us. I mean, even the, the, those of us that have been in the market for many years, uh, there's a lot to learn. So let's talk about, mm -hmm. you mentioned before, the number of tons that you market of, of raw chicken manure. What, what is that again? Yeah, so we, last year, we, we hauled and spread about 780,000 tons of of chicken litter and this year we we are going to be responsible for about 550,000 tons in total um 100 to 150,000 of which will go to the clarion processing plant to create the liquid nitrogen product and the, the granular the dried granular fertilizer so if i'm in the market of buying chicken manure for my organic farm right I am mm -hmm. facing a situation where there is a, a declining resource. Is that fair to say? I know that some of it is just loss of water, which 
we still have the same nutrient content, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're lowering your numbers and there's just less layer manure out there, I assume from supply and demand, that's affecting your your cost of manure too? Yeah, there's two things that are kind of um, in the favor of the fertilizer values. And these things have been flow. And, and I don't look at it as you know something that we're just winning on because we've got grower customers that we're trying to service. And really what Farm Nutrients wants to do is be that service provider, make a steady margin on that business for the service that we are providing. Um, but obviously supply and demand has an effect on it. When there's limited resources available, then the value is going to go up. And that coupled with the you know the prices of corn and soybean recently, we feel like this year fertilizer prices are going to be much higher in Iowa. Um, and uh, they've been much lower and we've participated in that market as well <laughs> pretty uh, pretty fully. So we're, we're looking forward to relieving some of that pressure. Um, we're also trying to have very balanced conversations with our growing community and um, you know making sure that we're building these relationships for the long term, not just for one cycle here. Now I don't know if you said it, but how how long has farm nutrients been in the business and how long have you been mm. moving that level of manure? I mean is this five years, 10 years, 20 years? I I pride myself on uh, on understanding history uh, at places that I work and <laughs> I'm now I'm upset with myself because I don't know the exact date, but I want to say that farm nutrients really was born as Rembrandt came online. It, it, it was just in the form of kind of any other uh, layer um, company, any other egg producer, they've got to solve for their manure. They have to take it somewhere. Right. And typically that is going, you know, out to, to the growing community and um, I want, so that's, you know, 20 years is when Rembrandt started. Farm Nutrients, I know for sure, is at least 10 years old. Um, and it really was, was uh, it was originated with a guy called um, Scott Wicks. And he and Dave Reddig, our founder, uh, worked together on a plan there. And they were doing all of the um, grain purchasing as well as the fertilizer sales. So it was kind of a symbiotic relationship you know with the growers and that's something we're trying to return to a little bit here well it seems to me that you have some real longevity with some customers then i mean even over Absolutely. 10 years that that's some real longevity do you tend to work with the same customers year after year or maybe if they're in a corn bean rotation every other year or like what what mm -hmm. is your relationship over time with your typical grower yeah, for our sites that we own, um, we really want to turn over the same relationships and a lot of the growers have, you know, options. So we're engaged with them on some level every year. Um, definitely varies as they as they rotate. Um, but I think the, the opportunity that we see with this um, granular and liquid product is really to extend that reach and and um, start to understand how people would interact with this product outside of Iowa. Like I said, with 62 million egg-laying chickens um, at our peak last two year, last year before COVID hit, um, there were lots. There was a lot of supply options within Iowa, and we were one of those. We were the majority of that. We we represent other of our egg-producing competitors. Are are the customers that we service from a supply side on farm nutrients, and um, so it's an interesting relationship, but one that we've you only build it with a lot of trust and. Um, and in a high level of service, I think 
we had lost our way a little bit on some of that as farm nutrients was stretching into other spaces. Um, but we actually just closed the retail agronomy business that um, I think will allow farm nutrients to get back to its roots and really focus on what they do well. Uh, I have heard from a couple of farmers, Paul, that you guys really are kind of trying to refocus in the last year or two. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe, maybe like you said, you, maybe you lost your way for a little while, but I think maybe some of those customers uh, might be interested in kind of coming back and seeing what you have. Yeah, look, uh, Glenn Taylor is our owner and he's an explorer. I mean, Glenn is a, he's an investor. I've um, never left a board meeting where he's not challenging our commercial leadership to say, what's next? You know, I know you got issues. I know things, you're working on things, but tell me what's, what's <laughs> down the road and uh, who are the big customers you're working with? He loves talking about partnership and, um, and investing in rural communities across the Midwest, that's a big fundamental principle for, for Taylor um, Corporation, you know, and, and the fund that we're a part of is, uh, is Gat Farms, Glen Allen Taylor Farms. And, um, and that holding company is really focused on, I think Rembrandt helping to kind of be the backbone for some of the shared services and center of excellence, uh, but with an eye towards investing in, in companies in these rural communities that we can plug in and help to make more, you know, consistent, offer them resources that they may have not had before and, um, and kind of be better together. And so that's my, my hope for Rembrandt and its role in that space with Glenn. Yeah, great. Now getting back to the nuts and bolts of manure, uh, <laughs> an interest I have is so when you start hauling manure, now granted that the cost is, is paid by the farmer getting the manure, right? How far can you typically mm -hmm. haul? Like, what's the furthest you haul manure on average? And how far do you really kind of focus on out from your your facilities as far as contacting farmers and, and getting in touch? Yeah. I think um, because of the volume that we were responsible for, our reach had gotten out there farther than we wanted. Um, I think we target, you know, we'd like to stay within 30 miles or so is our, our real goal from each site. Um, if we, re if we keep it dialed into, cause there is enough, um, of a need out there within 20 miles, that would be our wish list. Uh, -huh. uh because after you get past the zone three or four, things start to get a little bit stretched in terms of the, the total cost. You're moving a lot of moisture, you know, a long way. And um, so that's where we've really invested in our management of the manure on each site and the manipulation of it to expose it to the air and, and turn it and try to compost it a little bit if, uh, if we have that option on the site. Um, but anything we can do to help it dry out a little bit and uh, potentially heat up a little bit, um, then we, we are putting a lot of energy, a lot more energy into those exercises so that we're not transporting as much water across the state. I would assume that zone gets a little bigger if you're an organic farmer and your, sure. your, you know, your access to organic fertilizer is more limited. I'd assume that 30 mile stretches maybe into 60 miles. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Um, especially up near the southern border of Minnesota, where there's a few more organic farms. We saw our Thompson site, um, which is just across the border there in Iowa. Um, would have, on average, you know, a lot further reach per ton than we would out of Rembrandt, where there's not as many organic farms nearby. 
So as you look out over the next couple of years, Paul, what are the things that you want to do kind of with that ramen or to do, it could be value added, but just to make it worth more, not only for yourself, but for those local farmers, there's some ways that you're beginning to think about working with all that ramen or. Well, I think everything that I approach is about how do I add value? How does this company add value to this product? And that can come in a lot of different ways. And innovation happens in the way we do business, the way we invoice people, the way we track things, what kind of service we're providing. So we're constantly challenging our team right now to think of how do we not just evolve um, because we have been downsizing slightly to kind of focus and concentrate on what our core business is. Um, but how do we, as we do that, add flexibility, add options um, to the, the growers and to our sales team? So they have, you know, I talk about having more bullets in the gun all the time. You know, you need the ammunition to go out there and actually be effective um, when you're when you're negotiating, when you're trying to find the right uh, fit for that customer. And that's all we're really trying to do. We're trying to meet them where they need to be met with the products that they they have a need for and at the right value, you know, to be competitive, to be consistent and predictable and deliver what we say we're going to deliver. So to do that, I think our focus and why this this project with Renutrient has been so exciting is it's a lot more standardized of a product. It's a lot more controllable. Um, that way, we've taken a lot of moisture out of it. So it really fits with our core, you know, in terms of sustainability. And um, it allows for us to have a very committed analysis that we can take out to market and take it further. And that's uh, that's exciting. So one day I see farm nutrients having, you know, from end to end, you would start with raw raw manure, uh, moving into compost, um, to a granular product, to a pelleted product, to the liquid product, and any varieties off of that that we we feel like we can add value to that grower. So they're touching their field less, so they're getting the inputs they need, um, the less cost of application, things like that. That's where we're trying to spend time. Yeah, right. Do you see yourself moving away from kind of just the raw manure in itself and going more towards the, the pellets and the kind of the value added? Or do you always see that you would have kind of a source of raw manure for local farmers? Well, look, there's 330 egg laying chickens in the United States, 330 million, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's basically an egg laying chicken for every person since the beginning of the colonization of the United States. Um, and to give perspective on how consolidated that has gotten, in the 50s, um, there were 500,000 uh, egg farmers. And um, now there's, you know, really a top 10 that control uh, a significant portion of the eggs that are produced in the country. And um, so as that's happening and you're getting this concentration of layers in, in one site versus being spread across the country where it was more backyard farms and things like that, obviously that, that um, there's a lot more controls in place, which puts some barriers to entry for people being egg farmers. And there's, um, there's just a scale of production that if you don't have, it's pretty hard to be competitive at this point. So um the reason I mention all that is I think that the value of further processing the manure and drying it when you have that type of scale coming into the system, it, um, it changes the whole equation for these layer uh, companies, you know, to have a, a site that can do that and help to add value to your raw manure. 
as we refine the technology and we can scale it a little better up and down um, to meet the size of the the layer site, you know, where they need to be met, then I think that this is the future. I think having the granular pelleted, um, the liquid options for application, you know, that's that there's real value in it uh, for both sides. And um, that's what we're going to continue to pursue as in, in internally. And I think there's a big market for it across the industry. Right. I, and one of the things we know with some of the, you know, large livestock facilities, we need to move that manure further away from the facility. And so mm. by kind of having a product that moves better and faster, um, cheaper, uh, I think that's one of the, the great goals of kind of further processing some of that manure. But I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you, Paul, what are some services that farm nutrients provides? hauling, like trucking, application, testing. I mean, I don't know what they are, but what what are some of the things that farm nutrients can do for a farmer to provide more benefit? Yeah, farm nutrients really starts with the grower sitting in there at their kitchen table is what I've found is typically the routine um, when you show up and we do um, offer soil analysis. Uh, Growers a lot of times have their own agronomist that they work with. Um, but we'll take that analysis and we will use the, the, the commercial markets for those nutrients and show them kind of how the delivered, you know, delivered and applied costs would compare from uh, chicken litter uh, to a commercial fertilizer option. And for organic growers, I think that that um, conversation is even simpler, um, but we can help them to benchmark still to know kind of what the value of these inputs are. And um and I think that that's where it begins. You know, once we've done that, uh, we tailor it to their own needs and their own capabilities. If they want end-to-end kind of just hands-off, and and then we will set up all the hauling um, and the application. We've got some really nice spreading equipment that we've invested behind and uh, and partnered with you know regional type spreader operations that have the equipment that we would recommend to use for chicken litter. Um, as it is, you know, it's a, it's a big job. And when you're implying multiple tons per acre, sometimes that can, you know, you want the most efficient uh, application process possible. Yeah. I, I remember the day as a kid spreading manure and you, you know, if the old spreaders, you just got a very poor pattern and you, then you couldn't count mm-hmm. on the manure. Then you had to come back and you had to supplement or almost apply a, a whole new rate because you, it just wasn't good enough application. But you feel really comfortable. You must feel really comfortable with your applicators and getting a good spread and, you know, covering yeah. fields. We put a really big focus on that. Last year, we went from 20 spreader partners that we had across just the state of Iowa, really, um, down to five. And uh, and this year, I, I expect it to be even fewer with the total tons that we have. So we've gotten very, very um, critical in a, in the right ways around who we partner with and, and why. And they've got to meet a certain standard so that when our sales team is in front of the, the grower, um, we can speak with real confidence about how that execution is going to look. Okay. So um, I'm an organic grower, right? And I'm, I'm within mm-hmm. 30 miles of you. How do I even start the process? I mean, I, I talk to growers who are, you know, like, I don't even know how to start the process with farm nutrients. What is the first step I would take if I have some interest? Then follow it through the end for me of what services I could expect once I make mm-hmm. a, a contact with you. 
So we've got a, a team of salespeople that um, if you were working through our website, if you Googled, you know, chicken manure in Iowa, um, uh, then you would find us. And, uh, and I think that there's also some trade shows that we try to participate in regionally. Um, our sales team has some pretty deep roots in the communities that they are involved in. So they've, they've got tapped in, I think, to that community pretty well. We have over 2,300 customers in Iowa alone. So we, we feel like we've, we've probably touched them all at least once. Most people know, you know, where the egg producing facilities are. Uh, they've driven by it. They've, they've smelled it. And they, <laughs> they either contact the site themselves. And if they contact the site, they'll still end up with us if we're managing that manure. Um, and so from there, the sales team would go out and do exactly what I said. They'd sit with them, walk through how the pricing structure works. If they have an analysis of their, their soil already done, we work from that. If they want it done, we'll get that done for them. And then we'll make a plan. You know, um, the timing matters. That's another thing that we're, we're trying to be a little more disciplined about. So really being as flexible as we possibly can with our growers to say, okay, there's a window that we're going to really lock in your volume and your price. Um, and it's going to be as you need it. Um, if people can take things pre-pile, we offer sometimes some, some discounts for that um, just to keep our inventory managed properly. Uh, as you can imagine, when everybody's trying to get it the day that the harvest uh, is done, the, that, that gets backed up. There's limited resources on trucking and spreading. And that's the, those are the pinch points that we have added a lot more discipline to our system trying to manage that. So when we do commit, commit to a date with a grower, we're very confident we can hit it and uh, that there's no surprises. Okay, so we're at the beginning of March. I'm looking at the the, the growing season for 2021. I call you mm -hmm. up, Paul, or call up one of your salespeople. Can I get manure yet this spring? You can. Um, I can tell you that most people are holding on to their litter right now. Um, as the, the fertilizer markets are going up, we are trying to be disciplined about how much we're releasing on a month by month basis. Uh -huh. um, as you can imagine, we're balancing a service to the site that we pull the manure out of because for them, they want it gone and a service to the grower who wants it at their farm at the, a specific time. So uh, right now you will get better pricing than you're going to get in, you know, September um, and going into the season. Okay. So I want to be, there will be a limit to the supply. Okay. <laughs> the supply is limited for this spring, right? It's not mm -hmm. like you can just call up someday and say, bring it on because it may or may not be there. Right. Yep. And it's going to be pretty much first come first serve. We're trying to reach out to organic growers actively to make sure that they, they know kind of the state of, um, uh, supply and demand in, in and around Iowa and really across the egg producing, you know, industry this past six months, there was a significant drop in the total number of layers producing in this area. Um, so we've been trying to reach out and make sure we're educating people, um, make a focused effort to do that because we will kind of um, control that, uh, that inventory going into the season. Right. So if I'm a, a commercial grower, I can hold off because I can always get commercial fertilizer. But if I'm mm -hmm. an organic grower and I'm counting on manure from you, I probably better be on the phone to you in the next few days or weeks yes. uh, to see what can happen. Yep, 
and that's the the onus we're putting on our sales team to get out and get in front of them and make sure people are are hearing it from us okay well paul i want to be mindful of your time i really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us no not at all i know it's a it's a great interest of a lot of organic growers out there but the last question i'd have if if you and a farmer were in a room together and you had two minutes to talk to him about Rembrandt and farm nutrients and the services you provide, in those two minutes, what do you want to convey to the, this organic farmer? I want to convey to them that this product really works. I mean, I think that if they haven't used it, I would ask that they speak to someone who has and uh, has seen the benefits of not just delivering the nutrients to their soil, but really conditioning the soil, um, getting the microbial activity, adding the organic matter. Um, there's there's a lot of things that chicken litter provides that um, you don't get from a commercial fertilizer um, and even other sources of manure. Um, it's the most nitrogen rich and um, Although it, it smells like it, um, it does go away and it's worth the pain <laughs> because it, it really does um, seem to have an impact. And I'm hearing that firsthand from growers that talk about it, especially where they've got hilly, you know, kind of land and there are, there are differentiations between, you know, point, different points in, on their, on, in their acres. And um, the variable rate that we can apply chicken litter at um, has allowed us to be really successful in kind of solving specific needs for specific growers. So I would I would say to them, one, you know, you don't have to take my word for it. Go ask your neighbor who's used it. Um, two, really challenge our team to get you what you want. That's our goal. You know, we're always uh, we're, we're preaching service throughout the industry, throughout our company, and um, and feel like that's the right to win for farm nutrients is is helping people to solve and connect the dots here. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, we'd love to to partner with people and, and collect data and help them to learn more about their own farm and help to tell the story of how chicken litter, you know, is meaningful as an input uh, for our growers in the community. So those would be the things that I would be looking for. Um, and obviously, a little flexibility working with a livestock and raw material, um, everything. Everything ebbs and flows, and um, but we are trying to be very disciplined and professional about the way we manage our inventory. And um, down to the fact that, I mean, we have people that walk through these manure barns and they're taking measurements. Uh, we're doing math on, you know, if it's six foot high and 50 feet wide and, and, uh, and 300 feet long, you know, how much manure do we actually have on hand? And um, things that we should we should treat it like a product because it has a real value and we're doing that now and trying to provide a very professional service to these growers so i would i would just ask them to keep challenging us and 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 help us learn more about what they need and what they see and how we can be better thank you for listening to organics unpacked if you enjoyed this episode please consider subscribing and giving this show a five-star rating and review so we can continue to help organic growers improve their operations.